Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast. We're releasing this on the last day of this crazy year, 2020, and getting ready for what's going to be coming in 2021. And I don't know about you, but around this time of year, I do kind of think about maybe some new habits, new routines. I'm not necessarily into uh, rigid or set goals necessarily, but maybe I'm thinking of, hey, I, I want to work on this habit or uh, this routine a little bit. And maybe you're thinking about the same thing. And maybe dry land is a part of it. Maybe you haven't done as much or haven't been as focused in certain things about dry land. Maybe I've been doing dry land at all and you're still trying to figure out what to do. No worries. But I what I do want to remind you about is keep the end goal in mind. And remember, that's to get better. We don't want dry land to be another way to tire you out or possibly injure you or be something else you need to stress about. The bottom line is dry land is supposed to support your performance in the water. Dryland is supposed to allow your ceiling of capacity to be raised so then when you're in the water, you have more to work with. You have more room for improvement because of the work that you've done on land. And so I thought it would be a good lesson to pull from the Surge Strength Dryland Certification on our next segment inside the Surge Strength Academy to talk about the goal of periodization. A lot of people get really into the weeds in periodization. And yes, there you can really be nuanced in certain types of phases, sub phases, and really soon you're down the rabbit hole and it gets super complex. And I've always tried to be just as simplistic as possible. And if we do need to get complex, then we can get a little complex. But that's not my first instinct is not to dive down the rabbit hole and be as complex as possible as I'm putting together a dryland program. I'd rather be as simple as possible from the start and then see, all right, do we need to make it a little bit more advanced? And so make sure as you're thinking about what you're doing in dryland in 2021, that you don't get overwhelmed, you don't make it too complicated, and you realize the goal is to get better. So hopefully that lesson from the Surge Strength Academy is going to help you on the goal of periodization. And then in the Dryland Talk segment of this episode, we're going to replay an interview I had with a good buddy of mine, Mike Collins, out in uh, SoCal there. Mike's a amazing swim coach, triathlete, triathlete coach. I mean, just the guy is incredible when it comes to endurance and also in the water. And it was a really great conversation about strength training and how it relates to endurance athletes and what he's seeing as well. Uh, many years ago, I was actually able to go out with and work with Mike and his masters, uh, Irvine Nova masters there, and then also the uh, triathletes that he was working with out there. And it was amazing how uh, much they were able to take from just some of the dry land nuggets that I gave them. And even to this day, I'm still hearing about people be having success because of just some of the things we were able to change all the way back then. So I thought it'd be a nice way to kind of round out the year with some good memories. And hopefully those warm SoCal vibes are coming our way, Mike. So I hope that's coming. So, all right, guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Inside the Third Strength Academy. The goal of periodization is what I'm going to be talking about in this lesson. So 
I'm sure at some level you've heard of periodization, whether you're a swim coach or a personal trainer, but sometimes it can get a little confusing. So before we dive into it, I want to make sure you understand why are we actually doing periodization? What's the point of it? And it comes back to remember this ideal swimmer's body that we're going after, and that's a high strength to mass body weight ratio, a strong core, and for them to be mobile. Now, if you just have your dryland workouts coming in random order, picking random days, what you're going to do, there's no way you're going to achieve one, let alone all three of these goals. So having these three goals in mind for the ideal swimmer's body, because again, we're trying to make faster swimmers, not better weightlifters to go to the Olympics in weightlifting. We want the swimmers to go to the Olympics, hopefully in swimming. And so these three things are critical. And with periodization, you're able to make sure, am I on the right path to achieving at least some of these goals throughout it. The other thing too, if you remember about earlier in the module, uh, module three there, where we talked about principles of strength and conditioning, we talked about this idea of diminishing returns and that you can't just continually improve at a steady state. You need to change things up. You need to have a different stimulus. This is where periodization comes in because at some point when you have a new athlete or they haven't been used to strength training and they're getting good, they're improving each day, each week, each season, at some point that tapers off and you need to then know how can you adjust it and what we're going to be focusing on first in the periodization module is all about the workout variables and how you can do that the idea with periodization is you really want to keep them in this sweet spot and the workout variables are basically our tools that's going to enable us to do that from workout to workout but you want to think of that sweet spot is from the alarm stage to the resistance stage because again, we don't want to go all the way to exhaustion where now we're having negative effects or diminishing returns or just working hard for working hard's sake if they're not improving. That sweet spot between the alarm stage where the body's like, whoa, what is this? I need to change. I need to adapt. And the resistance stage to where the body is actually getting good at whatever you're throwing at it. So periodization helps us stay in that sweet spot and not get too far into exhaustion and also not just be stuck in alarm, but enable them to get better and better because if you were changing it up all the time for especially more beginners they're not able to adapt to that and they're never going to reach that resistance stage so the other thing with periodization is and we'll talk about this more in the later module for the assessment and testing but having a needs analysis and understanding okay with this particular athlete what kind of strength do we need to improve upon? Power, endurance, maybe mobility is a factor. Are they doing specific events already? Are they trying to specialize in something? Do they have a very specific goal? Maybe it's on the other end of the spectrum. Maybe it's open water swim, swimming across the English Channel or something like that. So having that needs analysis also is going to help focus the periodization. So if you have all these steps beforehand, when you actually then sit down to write a workout, it's going to become much easier and periodization won't seem such a scary, overwhelming thing with that. But remember with periodization too, to slow cook that process. It is going to take a long time, but with periodization, you can progress over time with that athlete, but only at the rate that the athlete can adapt to. What you don't want to do is get really excited, all right, periodization, all these phases, all these different workout variables, and throw the whole kitchen sink at a beginner level athlete where they're going to get buried in a few weeks, maybe get hurt, then be out of the water. Of course, that's worst case scenario, and we want to avoid that at all costs. So 
understand, yes, you may get in intellectually, you as a coach understand the periodization from A to Z and all the different levels you can go. But if your athletes can't adapt to that and they're not ready for it, you shouldn't do it. So just because you as a coach understand some of these things in periodization that we're going to be talking about doesn't necessarily mean that your athletes are ready for them. That's where you need to rely on your coach's eye to know, okay, have they done X, Y, and Z? Okay, now we can move on to this. Now we can introduce this in the program. Now we can progress at this rate. But remember, periodization really is helping you as a coach individualize the workout and the program for the athlete, whether you're running a one-on-one individual session or a team-wide program. It's all about adapting at the rate the athlete can. Because if you go too fast, you're going to bury them. And if you go too slow, the athlete's not going to improve. So finding that sweet spot to enable the athlete to continually improve. So that's the overall goal of periodization. We're going to dive into the rest of periodization in the coming lessons. Dryland Talk. You mentioned uh, before when you're going through your three things, you've kind of added something, get strong. Talk about a little bit more about how you've kind of incorporated that into your training as that's changed throughout the years, getting stronger. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, as you get older, it gets harder to sustain uh, your strength and you have to put more emphasis on it. You kind of have natural strength or testosterone or whatever it is growing up and kind of take that for granted. But as you get older, you definitely start breaking down if you're not actively trying to strength screen. And, um, you know, I just found problems with um, not being able to hold form because I'm not strong enough to do it or or issues of cramping and things like that. So I got really bad um, uh, VMO cramps Mm. at a half Ironman one time. Uh, and it just debilitated me. And I, I felt so ready to keep running fast and just, you know, the inside of my knees were locked up and I could barely run. And it, it just frustrated the hell out of me. And so, you know, kind of from that point, I go, a long race, I still have to be strong enough to sustain it. So I, I've got to do my, my squats or my deadlifts or my one-legged exercises to really keep that stability and strength so I don't just break down. And, uh, you know, you gave some good examples of that when you, when you came in to talk to my team and, and you talked about kind of the difference between that, you know, like four-cylinder car kind of maxed out at 75 miles an hour versus, you know, a much stronger engine vehicle that going 70 feels like nothing because mm-hmm. it's got such a big, strong engine that it's at a much lower percentage of effort to hold that. And that kind of sunk into me a a little bit, you know, that you got to build these bigger pathways of strength, these, these, uh, super highways, which is your power versus these little dirt roads that (laughs) kind of wear out. I like the roads analogy. I might steal that, Mike. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah. If we make some powerful movement patterns like a 405 freeway instead of a, you know, two lane highway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you mentioned uh, when I came down and, and we kind of did some presentations and assessed and, you know, that was with a, a group of master swimmers. You as a coach and especially you mentioned, you know, older athletes, you see the strength gains going down. What was your observations watching some of those athletes go through the assessments and then going through the, the program as they went through the year? Um. It, it, it was it was a very positive thing and and um you know 
the people who did that kind of had specific goals in mind and, and events coming up. And I think what they did is they got their assessment, found out what their weaknesses were. They got prescribed exercises to work towards it. And they saw really good improvements and they, you know, did whatever their goal was. And I would say they were all pretty successful in, in reaching it. And then once they reached their goal, they kind of stopped doing it. And, and, uh, I wouldn't say a lot of them really stayed honest to it or, or brought it back and kept going. And, and I was kind of the same way to some extent, followed it pretty well and got super strong and, and had good, good, uh, racing results. I think, uh, I used it leading up to, uh, the ITU world in London in 2013. Uh, I was doing sprint distance and I went there and I got third place, got the bronze medal and I was totally stoked with it and then I didn't really have any major goals after that for a while so I kind of stopped doing strength training and just kept my general fitness routine going and I'm I kind of say I'm never more than two weeks away from being in pretty good shape you know I don't not train but I don't train super serious because I push a lot and stuff so I, I just kept myself reasonably fit and a few you know, a few little events, I start to bring back in some strength training for a little bit before it and help, but not a sustained program. Um, and then, um, this year, um, I turned 50 and, um, you know, every 10 years or so, I like to have a bigger challenge and just kind of keep me honest and, and, and push through something. So I entered Ironman Arizona and uh, I haven't done an Ironman in 25 years. The last one I did, I did Hawaii. Oh, I didn't realize I was it was that long, Mike. Yeah, I was 25 years old, so it was half my life ago. <laughs> and uh, I'm really not, I'm really not into Ironman. It's not my favorite distance to do because that race is really a lot about you know just managing your efforts throughout the day, and it's just you know you're just really focused on not going too hard and trying to be in the right zone. And, making sure your nutrition's right and all this stuff. And you're not really racing. You're just managing effort. And um, so my attention span is a little short for that. So I prefer to be in a short race where I can kind of go at it and decide where on the course are my opportunities to attack and, you know, try to get away or do something. And I just did um, ITU Worlds again. Uh, it was in Cozumel, and I did the sprint distance. And I actually got second this time. Uh, and it was draft legal. It was the first time it was draft legal. So I used kind of an unorthodox plan and I, I rode the bike in my running shoes <laughs> because I'm a good swimmer and it was a really flat course. So you really didn't need to pull up on your pedals at all. So I put my running shoes on during T1 and I got in the lead pack on the bike and I still could work hard and nobody could drop me. And but when we came off the bike, my running shoes were already on. So I, I put the bike in and flew out of transition and led, you know, race for about the first mile. And then one guy who was a much superior runner than me went by me and I didn't see him again from Mexico and it was pretty hot. I don't know if you got to see the end of the pro race, but the Brownlee brothers had a pretty crazy finish if you get a chance to watch that on YouTube. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, the heat heat started coming down on me and and so but i got second place because i had a 30 second lead over over the third place guy just leaving transition so i could run 
a little bit more conservatively on the first part of the run and pulled it together at the end. So it was kind of a strategic plan that I got to use. And, um, you know, you can't get away with trickery when you're doing an Ironman. You got to do your homework. I like it how so, you said uh, you're, you're no more than two weeks away from being fit, you know, so like you're always doing stuff. And I think that's a hard balance sometimes, especially, especially masters athletes, right? Like you said, if you don't have a big goal, maybe slack a little bit, but you're still doing something, some kind of touches, you know, whether it's swim, bike, run or lift so that, okay, if I yeah. want to ramp up in a few weeks, I'm not starting from ground zero. I just got to, you know, really focus in on it. That's right. And, you know, in our swim program, we do once a week, we do uh, a cross, we call it, which is, you know, we mix dry land exercises with pool swimming. And we're going to do some of that today, actually, practice. And, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps you doing some push-ups and some pull-outs and some squats and different exercises just to keep, you know, that body a little more firm because you just don't get it in the pool. And, um, you know, I've never been a big gym rat. And I, I work at a gym as well. I work at Equinox and uh, we have a really nice facility, but I don't just go in the weight room and do a bunch of stuff. I actually prefer to just do like, you know, the training programs I got from you for like 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. And I got to say, I abbreviate the, the long warm up uh, routines that you have and pretty much get into the main set. But <laughs> I feel that, um, I can bang that out with my own equipment at home uh, in about 20 minutes. And I feel like my body gets firm and tight, but it's not worn out. Like yeah. I'm so wasted. I can't do my workout because I want to swim, bike and run and be good at it. I don't really want to be good at weight training. You know? No, that, that's so such a good point. Kind of an- yeah, that's such a good point that everybody thinks, okay, if I'm going to strength train, I got to dedicate an hour, hour and a half, two hours and be totally wasted when it's the exact opposite. You only need, if you're really focused and you have a good program, 20, 30 minutes tops because you got all that other stuff you need the energy for. Right. And, um, you know, if you're pretty sore and wrecked after a workout, you're really wrecked the next day or the day after that. I see so many people know they need to do strength training. And they go in there in their first few sessions, they hit it a little too hard, totally ruins their other training. And they got oh, screw it. I'm yeah. just going to, just going to get back to doing my swim, bike and run stuff. Cause that's what it, that's what's important. So like, there's definitely this patience factor in there to, to not go too heavy, not go too many reps at first and, you know, let your body acclimate to it. And then you start finding you're just as fast at practice, uh, even when you've done a strength thing. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.